I, I am regularly reminded at the wonder of God, at the significance of who He is, and, and also how God has this ability to wonderfully work all things together. As I began to research this series and began to think about the prayers of Nehemiah and looked at the prayer of purpose, the prayer of favor, the prayer of adversity, I, I would like I'd like to say that I knew that we would be talking about adversity on the weekend that we honor the life and the legacy of Dr. Martin Luther King. However, it, it was not my plan, it was God's plan. And it's not coincidence, it's the way that God works. Because it would be difficult to look at any time in recent history to find a life that speaks more to adversity and, and how God can carry you through adversity. In fact, Dr. King, in 1963, he wrote a book, Strength to Love. And in that book, Strength to Love, he made, this, he made this statement, that the ultimate measure of a man is not where he stands in moments of comfort and convenience, but where he stands in times of challenge and controversy. Let me give that to you again. The ultimate measure of man is not where he stands in the moments of comfort and convenience, but it's where he stands in those times of challenge and controversy. See, the simple truth is this, that James was right when he said this in James chapter 1, consider it pure joy when you face trials and difficulties, tests of many kinds. Notice that God's Word doesn't say consider it pure joy if you face trials. It says, consider it pure joy when you face trials. Because Jesus told us this, in this world you will have trouble. In this world you will have difficulty. And friends, that is true if you have a pulse. It's more true if at any point you want your life to matter. If at any point you're pursuing success, or more importantly, if at any point you say, I want my life to count for something, I want there to be a significance about what I do, you're going to face challenge, you're going to face difficulty, because success, significance, accomplishment is always an uphill climb. And Nehemiah, Nehemiah no doubt knew that he was going to face adversity before he ever left the citadel in Susa to return to Jerusalem to rebuild the walls and to restore God's city and to re-energize God's people. And the adversity came. The adversity came over and over and over again. And it came in different ways. And it came at different moments. And yet, each and every time, we see Nehemiah's response to adversity. And it is a great example for us today. It is a clarion call for us today to recognize God in those moments of challenge. To turn to God in those times of difficulty and trust Him that He's Lord of everything, even the most challenging moments in our life, even the biggest issues of ad adversity, even the biggest mountains that we will face. You see, what you wrote on your envelope this morning, and hopefully you did so, I want you to know that God is bigger than that. I want you to know that God is greater than that. I want you to know that God is stronger than that. And I want you to know that God is deeply invested in and cares tremendously about what you wrote on your envelope. Recognize that today. Even in those times, even in those seasons, even in those situations where it seems like God is distant, even in those times when it seems like we're walking through deep waters all alone, He is still there. 
And part of the reason why oftentimes it seems like we're alone in the battle, it seems like we're all by ourselves in the difficulty, is because we have a misunderstanding of how God handles adversity and what God's plan for us is in adversity. But in the story of Nehemiah, we see it over and over and over again. Because here's what's remarkable about Nehemiah and his journey. What Nehemiah does, each and every time adversity comes his way, Nehemiah prays. And when Nehemiah prays, you know what happens? He faces even more adversity. I want you to recognize that. When Nehemiah prays about the adversity in his life, God does not lift him out of that adverse situation. Can I offer you this? More often than not, that's the case in my life. Now, when I'm facing those challenges, when I'm facing those difficulties, when I'm facing those uphill climbs, my prayer is this, God, deliver me from this. God, take me out of this. God, rescue me. Am I alone this morning? See, here's what we want. We want God to take, a, take us out of those situations, even though we know that His Word says, consider it pure joy when you find yourself in those situations. And, and we can have an understanding of why God's Word says consider it pure joy when we look at the story of Nehemiah. So th- this morning what I want to do is this. I want to look at, at four different aspects of adversity that Nehemiah faced, how Nehemiah responded in prayer, and what God's answer was. And, and, and first, let's look at this. In Nehemiah 4.1, it tells us this. It says that when Sambalot heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became angry and greatly incensed. He ridiculed the Jews. And it wasn't just Sambalot. Sambalot and all of his cronies, right, they begin to ridicule. They begin to make fun. They begin to mock. And here's what we find. We find in Nehemiah 4.4 that Nehemiah prays this prayer. Hear us, O God, for we are despised. Turn their insults back on their own heads. So Nehemiah, when he's facing ridicule, when he's being mocked for what he's attempting to accomplish, receiving insults because of his disposition. What Nehemiah does this, the first thing that he does is he prays, hear us, O God, for we are despised. Hear what they're saying against us, God. Your word says that what a man sows, he reaps. So God, our prayer is this, that we will sow as we walk in character and integrity, God, that we will sow that. But God, what they're sowing, God, our prayer is this, that you would be true, that they would reap what they sow. And here's what it tells us, just a few verses later. And, and, and we understand the motivation, right? The motivation behind Sambalat, Tobiah, Jeshem the Arab, all their cronies, the motivation in ridiculing and mocking Nehemiah and those that are doing the work rebuilding the walls, they're convinced of this. They're convinced that what they can do is they can dishearten them, right? They're convinced what they can do is discourage them. And in that disheartening and in that discouragement, they'll be defeated. We face it, don't we, in our current context. We'll face those moments that when we're trying to do the right thing, that we face ridicule. When we're trying to live life with character, we'll be mocked. When we're trying to accomplish something of significance, something of purpose, people will speak ill of us. It is it is the norm, especially in the, in, the, in the day and age in which we live. It is, it is becoming increasingly challenging to be a man of faith, to be a woman of faith in today's world. They will say that when we stay true to the Word, that somehow we're involved in hate speech. I, I do not understand that. 
at any level, I do not understand that. I do not understand how an expression of faith and how an expression of, 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 of spiritual strength, how that could on any level be misconstrued as hate speech. But we'll hear it over and over again, won't we? We do absolutely. Here's the thing. It should become no surprise to us because even when Jesus preached his first recorded message, he said this, Blessed are you when you are persecuted, when they speak all manner of evil over you. It is, a, it is a reality of the faith journey. And yet, here is what we find. As Nehemiah prays to God, hear us, O God. Recognize what's happening in the situation. Here is the result. Just two verses later, it says this. So we rebuilt the wall till all of it reached half its height, for the people worked. I love this. It doesn't say they worked to the full measure of their strength. It doesn't say they, 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 they worked with absolute enthusiasm. It says this, they worked with all their heart. It is the ageless tactic of the evil one. It is the constant scheme of the enemy to try to dissuade the heart, to try to discourage the heart. Anytime we want to live a life of significance, anytime that we want to live a life of purpose, you'll find this. There will become the, these attacks, and, and oftentimes the attacks start their attacks of the heart. Now, we see that displayed out in the emotion that we deal with, Right? And we'll find that in our, in our emotion, we'll become discouraged. In our emotion, we'll become saddened. In our emotion, we'll become fearful. In our emotion, we'll become angry. Because of, of how easily it is in those moments of adversity for our heart to be unsettled. In fact, if you were to look at what you wrote on the envelope, even looking at it, it, it pricks the heart, doesn't it? It influences the heart. It, it, causes, the, it causes the heart to be sad. It, it causes the, the heart to be downtrodden. It causes the heart to be discouraged. But in those moments of adversity, friends, more often than not, God will not supernaturally lift you out of the adversity, but here's what He will do. He'll strengthen your heart in the process if you'll simply turn to Him first. God's brought you here this morning. God's brought you here this morning to see your heart strengthened. He's brought you here this morning to see your heart encouraged. He's brought you here this morning not to lift you out of the adversity, but to strengthen you for the journey that He has for you, knowing that as you navigate through this moment, as, as you see yourself be, be, being brought to victory through this situation, how not only will it encourage the heart, but it'll strengthen the heart, knowing, God, you carried me through this. You can carry me over and over and over again. How is it that someone like Dr. King can write about the ultimate measure of a man? He can write about the ultimate measure of a man because he understood adversity, and he saw over and over and over again how God carried him through adversity in 1956. 
His life and the life of his family was threatened as his house was bombed. In 1958, Dr. King was doing a, a book signing, and a man stabbed him with a letter opener. In fact, by 1963, when he writes Strength to Love, he's been arrested more than 15 times in his life. He would be arrested well over 20 times. In fact, it's in 1963 that not only did he write Strength to Love, but he wrote the classic letter from a Birmingham jail. And friend, if you've not read Letter from a Birmingham Jail, if you're not familiar with it, I would challenge you to look it up this afternoon. Take a moment to read it. And if it doesn't grip you, something's wrong with you. Dr. King was convinced that his life had to matter. And so he didn't allow the adversity. He didn't allow somebody bombing his house or somebody stabbing him with a, uh, with a letter opener or being unjustly accused and unjustly imprisoned over and over and over again. He determined instead that what he would do is he would persevere, right? And when hate came, he responded with love. Can I offer you this today? It is a, it is, it is a lesson that, that our culture should learn today. It's a lesson that our politicians should learn today. That there's something powerful that happens when you choose not to respond in hate, but instead you, you choose to respond in love. And friends, that is worth an amen. It is the heart of God. It's the desire of God. Yes, you will face ridicule. People will say things about you. And when that doesn't work, you'll find this, that you'll face all sorts of malice. Look at what it says in Nehemiah 4.8. It says this, They all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and to stir up trouble against it. When the, when the ridicule doesn't work, when the mocking doesn't work, when the name-calling doesn't work, it is not uncommon for the enemy to step up his game. And this is what we find in the, in the, in the journey of Nehemiah. It's what we experience in our life as well. And when they go from name-calling to now plotting and, and planning treachery, here's what we find. In Nehemiah 4.9, it says this, But we prayed to our God. I, I love this. But we prayed to our God, and we posted a guard. But we prayed to our God, and we posted a guard. And here's what we find over and over and over again in the story of Nehemiah. Nehemiah knows that he's dealing with adversity. And here's what he has, right? He's got, he's got one, one knee kneeling in prayer while he's got a sword in the other hand. And here's, here's the truth that we can glean out of that. That God's Word is true when it says this, that all you need for life and godliness He has already given you. And we can turn to Him, and He will bring courage to us. We can run to Him, and He will strengthen us. But more often than not, here's what He does. <laughs> he encourages us. He strengthens us. And then He says this, go get it. Go get it. Go get it. Why? Why is it that God says, go get it, instead of lifting us out? Because, friends, God has positioned you for victory, and you cannot have victory if you don't deal with adversity. Let me say this again. You can't have victory if you don't deal with adversity. And God wants to give you an incredible story that is to His glory and that is to your blessing. Think about it. 
the stories that we have, the testimonies that we have, how many of you here this morning have experienced physical healing in your body? Raise your hand. Okay, now I want you to look around the room. Okay, these are stories. There's are stories of God's, God's glory. These are stories of your blessing. And there's a, it's a, that's a story that's a, re, a, a result of, of God coming through in a moment of adversity. Okay, how many of you have faced an impossible financial situation and God has come through in a miraculous way? Raise your hand. Okay, now I want you to look around all over the room. Here's what you're seeing. You're seeing this. People saying, I had this moment where I could have written this on my envelope. I could have written doctor's diagnosis that absolutely has got me distraught. Financial situation that I absolutely do not have a way out of. And, and listen, I could give example after example after example. We could, I could have you raise your hand this morning about, restor, about relationships that were broken that are now restored about situations with children where reconciliation came to be, where there was stress in the job and God wonderfully, supernaturally moved a person out or brought advancement for you. Over and over and over again, here's what, we're, what we find. We find this, that God uses adversity for our good because all things do work together for good for those that love God and are called according to His purpose. The, the difficulty on the issue with adversity is oftentimes what happens is we pray amiss. We pray amiss. I love the fact that Nehemiah never prays, oh God, get me out of here. He says, God, give me wisdom for the moment. God, give me strength for the moment. God, you repay them for what they're doing. But he never asked God, God, get us out. And, and, and as they pray, here's what we find. We find that when Nehemiah experienced ridicule, that when he prays, God's answer is he strengthens the heart. We find that when he prays for this malice that's coming against him, but we pray to our God that God give them courage for the fight. They know that, that this massive group is plotting against them. And by the way, they're substantially outnumbered. And yet being substantially outnumbered, they didn't run. Here's what they did. They prayed to their God, they prayed to our God, and they posted a guard day and night to meet this threat. And they stood their post because they had this understanding that, yes, we face this enemy. Yes, we face this ad, 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 adverse situation. But greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And God's Word says we are more than conquerors, and we're going to stand on that promise. We're going to stand on that promise. He, he didn't just face ridicule and malice. He also experienced slander. It tells us this in Nehemiah chapter 6. In Nehemiah chapter 6, they have reached the point where the wall is in essence complete. The only thing that's left is for the gates to be put in place. And, and, and when, they get to this, when they get to this point, Sambalot sends word to Nehemiah and he says, listen, there's this issue between, between you and me. There's this issue between us. There shouldn't be this issue. How about we do this? How about we come together in one of the villages in the plains of Ono, and, and let's just come together and meet? And Nehemiah sends back this response, and he says, I am doing a great work, and I cannot, I cannot leave it. 
Why, why should I leave this great work to come and to spend time with you, to interact with you? And Sambalot then says, all right, Nehemiah. And he sends to Nehemiah this unsealed letter. And it's a letter that's designed to go to the king. And it says this, it is reported among the nations, and Jeshem says it's true, that you and the Jews are plotting to revolt. Have you ever had this happen in your life? Where somebody comes to you and they go, um, uh, by the way, uh, folks are saying, right? People are saying. What it means is this. It means that they're saying, right? Hey, there are some folks that are saying. And, and in, this, in this slanderous letter, some people are saying, and by the way, we have, we have confirmation because Jeshem the Arab has also heard it. King, King Artaxerxes, know this. Nehemiah is actually not your servant. He's plotting against you. In fact, he's declared himself the king of the Jewish people. He, he's declared that Jerusalem is a sovereign nation. And Nehemiah's prayer is this. It's a wonderful prayer. It's a simple prayer. But I prayed, now strengthen my hands. Now strengthen my hands. Nehemiah turns to God for strength in the moment. I love the fact that when Nehemiah prays, he doesn't pray that God protect his integrity. You know why Nehemiah doesn't pray that God protect his integrity? Because Nehemiah is comfortable in who he is. He is sure of his identity. And he knows that his testimony is uncompromised before the king. In essence, what he says is this, go ahead and send the letter because the king will not believe it. In fact, he makes a statement. He says, nothing that you say is true. And Nehemiah shows no anxiety over the attempt at slander because he knows his name is good. He knows his name is good. He knows his testimony is true. And that's what happens, friend. When you turn to God in times of adversity, what God will do is this, is God will give you confidence in your identity. What is that identity? Here's what God's Word says. It says that you are a chosen generation, a holy priesthood, a holy nation. God's Word says this, that you are a joint heir with Jesus Christ, that you are a child of the Most High God. God's Word says this, that you did not choose Him, He first chose you. You are chosen, chosen, chosen. And the plan that God has for you is a plan of purpose and it's a plan of significance. And yes, 
in this world you will have trouble. Yes, you may have to walk through the valley of the shadow of death, but in that you don't have to fear any evil. Why? Because the God of all creation is with you and He will carry you through. Finally, lastly, Nehemiah navigated betrayal. Just a few verses later in in Nehemiah chapter 6, we find this, that a, a supposed friend of Nehemiah comes to Nehemiah and says, listen, you need to come and you need to hide in the temple of the Lord because there are some people that are trying to kill you. But Nehemiah knows that it's not that they're trying to kill him. Notice what it says in Nehemiah 6.12, I realized that God had not sent him, that he had prophesied against me because Tobiah and Sambalot had hired him. And Nehemiah prays, remember Tobiah and Sambalot, my God, because of what they had done. Remember also the prophet Noadiah and how she and the rest of the prophets have been trying to intimidate me. He faces betrayal. These people who present themselves to be people of God, servants of God, and allies to Nehemiah. They're conniving and scheming behind his back. It's it's challenging. It's challenging in those moments when you face the adversity of ridicule. And, And it can be heartbreaking. It's difficult when we find that someone's plotting, not not simply to make fun of us, but actually to do harm. When When they go from mocking you to actually trying to destroy your good name, That adversity, that adversity that is evidenced by those whom you trust, not just turning their back on you, but turning against you. And, and, and that's, where, that's where Nehemiah finds himself. And he prays. And God's answer? God's answer for ridicule? He strengthened the heart. God's answer for malice? Courage for the battle. God's answer for slander? Confidence and identity. God's answer for betrayal? He shows himself faithful to you and leads you to ultimate victory. Two months before Dr. King's assassination, he he offered what has become one of his more memorable quotes. It was somewhat prophetic, considering what would, what would come 
about 58 days later, he said this, we must accept finite disappointment, but never lose infinite hope. I know we have a I know we have a long way to go in our world. I get it. I, I really do. I, I, I see it. I, I, see the, I see the tension in our world. But can I offer you this? America is never more segregated than on Sunday morning. And yet, here's what I see. I see Latino. I see African American. I see a guy, if he were any more white, he would be clear. <laughs> I see, I see a self-proclaimed redneck. I see a businessman. I see a housewife. I see, I see multiracial marriages. And we gather together at Calvary every Sunday morning. And we worship together, we celebrate together. At this altar, we pray for one another. We offer a, a tender touch a godly embrace. And here's what I know. I know this. That a, a gunman may have been able to take Dr. King's life in 1968. But he didn't blunt the message. Can I offer you this? I don't pray adversity over you. But a significant part of us having a weekend and a, and a day to, to honor the life of Dr. Martin Luther King is precisely because of the adversity that he endured. And I would imagine that if, that if he had the opportunity to speak into this moment today, he would say this, I would not change the adversity. I'm confident that that's what Nehemiah would say. I would imagine the Apostle Paul has no regrets on his life journey from the Damascus Road forward. That he would, he would once again face the shipwreck. He would once again endure the stonings. He would sign up over and over and over again for the 39 lashes. 
that he wouldn't run from the adversity as long as he had the promise that in 2019 we would still be reading his words and telling his story. Adversity is a very real part of life. But here's what God's Word says. It says that we are to cast all of our cares on Him because He cares for us. Thank you for listening. We hope you've been blessed by the ministry of Calvary Orlando. We invite you to join us in person at Calvary Orlando for one of our Sunday morning worship experiences each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. To find out more about Calvary, please visit our website at calvaryorlando.org. Here you can find our latest events and ministry opportunities. Thanks for listening and God bless.